the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, we are, first of all, happy Thanksgiving to everyone who's listening. Belatedly. Belatedly. We said it before. We said it before, didn't we? Yeah, it's good to uh, to wrap it up in case anyone got missed. So, happy Cover Thanksgiving. Um, Stars win against Calgary Flames tonight, 6-4, and a game that, uh, I guess we'll touch on that to start, the Erie Lightning uh, retirement ceremony, uh, jersey retirement ceremony, number 26 goes into the rafters, um, kind of a cool pre-game uh, during warm-ups. Uh, well, backtrack, why don't you, I was downstairs getting ready for our radio broadcast, which covered the ceremony, so why don't you describe the green carpet, the victory green carpet, because I couldn't get outside for that. It was kind of it was it was similar to uh, opening night when they had a Victor Green carpet for the uh, first game of the ah, season. Ah, they didn't have Olympic medals and a selfie trophy. That's true. Um, so they had the uh, Victor Green carpet where dignitaries, uh, former players, a lot of the people you saw um, sitting on the ice for the actual ceremony walked in during the uh, on the on the green carpet. Um, interestingly enough, uh, something they did that. I was kind of surprised about. Um, typically, you would have thought that Lettinen would be the last person to walk in, right? This is his right. You end with the, the main attraction, right? He uh, he was actually. They made the announcement now that VIPs are going to start walking in, and he was the first person in. Which is the same thing they did for the other members that had chairs on the the riser stage mm-hmm. inside the arena. Was Lettinen came out first, followed by yes some of his close and personal friends. And yeah, so Lettinen came, came first, and then the uh, and then uh, the Bob Gaines, the Marty Turcos, and they all followed after him on the on the green carpet. So, but still, cool moment. They had the Selkie Trophy out there. They had the uh, all of his Olympic medals from uh, Olympic medals, World Championship medals from his time in Finland. Uh, Finland's already retired his number internationally. Um, so. Cool moment leading into that. Really and cool also that, look, all the Stars players that were there were great. You kind of expected a, a nice contingent there, but to see Saku Koivu, yeah. uh, obviously one of the big names in Finnish hockey over the last two decades, really need to see him there to support Yuri. Yeah, very cool. Um, the uh, then the ceremony itself, I thought it was kind of... Uh, it kind of and now neither you or I covered him when in his time with his dad. Sorry, his last but, year was 2010, which we were still. Well, I was in the Eastern Conference of the American Hockey League at the time, and I was covering college hockey at the time. Very green, but um, so it was a little while ago. It was a little. It was a little bit ago, but it was still something just from talking to other talking to people who covered him closer and having done some more research on him recently and things like that. It was a ceremony that was kind of fitting to who he was. It was it was it was simple, it was well done, it was delivered in a timely manner and uh, everyone uh, and I thought it was uh, I thought it was kind of cool just and this is just a hockey thing, this didn't um, matter that who it was, but just kind of cool to see when the banner went up he and his wife and his kids kind of as a family moment got to watch Very you up. cool. And also the most emotional moment for him because he was, uh, he's always been, as he describes a pretty stoic individual, not too emotional, but said that there's a good chance that he could get a little bit teary and I can't hold it against the guy, but that, that's a pretty emotional moment, especially because 
and he acknowledged this, and he said it, I think, to you guys in the media scrum right after the uh, the, the ceremony ended when we were doing our pregame show on the radio side and TV side, um, that you have to, as a hockey family, you're, to have a family as a hockey player, you have to have a pretty sacrificing wife and children willing to let dad be away on road trips, training, uh, doing a lot of team activities, all to try to be a successful player in a professional league. And he seemed like it really was a sort of a giving back to them moment to, to be able to share that on that stage. Yeah, definitely kind of the feeling I got from him on that. I know it was... Uh, that, it's someone, he was someone who always was stoic when he played, and so for him to... That was that was kind of special for him, I and mean, it wasn't. It was something that we asked him even after we finished, kind of with the scrum. Asked him how many times he had. I asked, asked him how many times he had uh, practiced and performed his speech, and it was one of those where he, he made a joke, said kind of done it um, done it a minute and a half at a time over the past couple of weeks, and just run it by his wife and things like that. So I know that was kind of special for him to have it as a family moment. Um, he also enjoyed that. Uh, not only did the uh, were the Stars players out there to watch, but it was kind of a nice touch that the Flames as a team came yes, out and watched I, from the bench. I, I don't know. Well, here's the interesting thing. Glenn Gullitson was part of the Dallas Stars system when Yeri was still playing. He was the head coach down in the AHL with the Texas Stars at the time. Yeah. He then came up and became the head coach for the Dallas Stars, but it was after Yeri had already retired. But I have a feeling, I may be wrong on this, but I have a feeling that Gully may have been the driving force for that, but it was really cool to see both teams there. And look, you're sitting around waiting for this extended ceremony and the game starting later than usual. It would have been a 7.30 game on a Friday night. And how neat was it that both teams, I mean, it really showed an incredible amount of respect for this guy. And as you heard Hitch say this morning, he deserves all of that and more. Yeah. And then it was, and then to kind of cap it all off, the team wore the everyone wore twenty six uh, for warm ups. That was really cool, the yeah. old jerseys. Yeah, and that was something where uh, the uh, they did not they didn't tell Yuri that was going to happen, so he had no idea. Yeah, he had no idea that, that was going to happen, really cool. and then uh, it kind of, and then uh, a lot of funny jokes from warm ups trying to track who's playing with who and who's yeah who's you know what we've watched the stars enough that we can pick out yeah. Who, which players are, especially the ones that didn't wear their helmets and go yeah. out with a hair skate. That's a little bit easier. But it was even hard for us to pick, to determine who's who because you don't get the benefit of numbers. I can't imagine what Calgary was thinking because it was a surprise for everybody. Yeah. And all of a sudden they see 20, what, 20, 21 Lettman jerseys? Yeah. And they go, uh-oh, how are we going to tell who's the warm-ups here? Well, and they, uh, I think, I, I, I quickly thought of the... Uh, not even warm-ups if it is a team of, of a complete team of Yuri Lettinens. That was, I think, that was the quote from Sergei Zubov, who wasn't here tonight, but in a quote that the team had provided of him, where he said, "Now as a coach, fight 18 uh, Yuri Lettinens, I would win every game," or something along the lines like that. So that would have been a pretty good lineup, um, either way. One almost correct jersey with Kari wearing it, but not the same spelling. Yes, but that was kind of funny too. Kari back from his personal leave and able to wear a Lettinen jersey. Yes. Um, and he was uh, it was actually it was nice for Cardi back too not only that one of the few players on this team had actually played with Yuri um, another one being Jamie Ben obviously um, then the game itself Stars win um, win six to four Tyler Sagan with his uh, first hat trick since 2015 actually uh, he was on a tear in that yeah. year where he had several and then it's been a little while in fact all last year the two Stars hat tricks of course as you know Sean were Adam Cracknell and Antoine Marcel correct 
And there have been a lot of hat-tricks against the Stars recently, too. Yes. And uh, But a game where the Stars um, did something that they continue to do at home, and they just haven't done it on the road, and this is just becomes the uh, the biggest question for this team, but they responded to adversity. Every t- It seemed like every time the Flames scored, they either... The, Either a shift or two later, they would either score or they would have that pushback every single time. Mm-hmm. And um, they did that in the third period when they're down 4-3. Jamel Smith scores the game-tying goal to make it 4-4. Then uh, Tyler Sagan scores the potential uh, game-winning goal, uh, creating a turnover at the blue line and beating Mike Smith with a wrist shot. And then, obviously, the uh, empty net goal to complete the hat-trick. Um, but overall, a very strong game for Sagan. And we were talking to him after the game, and you could kind of sense... There's a bit of relief for him to kind of score that hat trick because there's been, for him, the line juggling hasn't gone as smoothly as it is has gone for Jamie Benn and Alexander Radulov because they're still playing with either Jamie Benn or Alexander Radulov. Tyler Sagan, on the other hand, has been, they've intentionally put him with other players to try and get other players going. So there's a lot of pressure put on him mm-hmm. to drive a line carry the play and he went through a six game goalless drought yeah. and now he's put a couple together in a row and that's really good for him because look as much as we've made a big deal about Tyler playing a more complete game this year playing in, on the penalty kill for really the first time in his career for a significant amount of time being out in late games being more defensive he still wants to be a major offensive contributor to this team and when you're not doing that it's very hard to feel very good about your game yeah, and he was, I think, even if, and I asked him about it after the game because it was something where I felt it was one of those games for Tyler Sagan that even if even if he didn't score any, even if he had no goals tonight, it was a game where he was noticeable in all three zones. Yeah, he had a ton of shots, too, yeah. but you're right, yes. Yeah. Uh, he was, I thought he was good defensively as well tonight. Um, Did you notice that the big story of this game, Star scored six goals? Mm-hmm. Pretty much all of them came off of creating turnovers from Calgary many of them in Calgary zone, so they stuck to their system and not trying to, to change, even though it was yeah. a real up-and-down game, was they continued to create pressure and scoring chances off of mistakes, and the other thing is Calgary mishandled the puck in, in possession in their own zone a lot. Well, and they also did something that you really need to see them apply on the road. Um, on the first four goals of the game, all came within a foot or two of the crease, yep. where they were getting to the quote-unquote dirty areas, and they were finishing chances that way, and that's something that they'll need to keep in, in their repertoire when they go into go to Vegas and Chicago on the upcoming road trip. Um, that and they need to continue. Like, this is not a big, amazing epiphany. They need yeah. the Fox and Roussel Pitlick line and the Ellie, or in this case, Jamel Smith, Brett Ritchie, and it was Hansel. Yeah. Hansel might, as he gets going again, might be up a bit, but they need those bottom six guys. They don't have to score two goals a night, but they need to be creating chances, getting get some good shifts, and getting a goal here and there because you can't go on the road and say, all right, your top players, you're needing them, but they can't be saddled with all of the responsibility off for offense. Yeah, an elevation an elevation in the lineup is certainly possible for Hansel. Uh, Ken Hitchcock kind of hinted at that after the game where he said mm-hmm. if he continues to get better and, and then maybe they could get back to that line where Sagan's playing with Ben and Radulov. They really want Hansel to be playing heavy minutes. Yes. Awesome. And you can't do that being the fourth line center. Yeah, or even the third line center. It's a, with especially how this team uh, uses their lines. Um, the defense was interesting tonight because you have first, it was already interesting before the injury development with Stephen Johns, but you had uh, Jamie Lexiak comes out for uh, 
Jim Alexia comes out and uh, Julius Huntley comes in. Stephen Johnson moves to the left side. So you have basically your third pairing essentially was uh, was uh, Johns, Johns and Honka. And, um, and then you go down to five defensemen in the second period where Stephen Johns kind of blows a tire. And I thought it might have been a lower body injury just based on how his knees came. Oh, no, it looked, but, but it then, looked pretty obvious well, I mean, it was it, it, to me. Well, no, it was... You had every possible body in it. Right. Yeah, like it was just, he he it, caught an edge yeah. on his heel and went backwards. And, yeah. But, it, you know, back of shoulders, back of the head, into the boards awkwardly. I mean, if it had been three feet farther away yeah. from the bench, he probably falls and doesn't feel very good getting yeah. up on the ice, but probably is okay. And the it, fact that the bench was there really was a very inopportune moment. And to Ken Hitchcock's credit, the other day, it was a national story before the Montreal game. He makes a comment about how... He was asked about it. He was asked about it, and he makes a comment about how we don't... How we all... Why do we have to play this game? Upper body, lower body, everything like right. that. And I... I was curious of whether that was something he would actually back up because Ken Hitchcock makes a lot of statements, and that's the thing where it's sometimes it's contra it's contradictory. Um, and so I was just personally curious if would we see evidence that he was going to back that statement up? Because it's one thing to say that; it's another thing um, then for the next injury to come out and all of a sudden just go give us an upper body line. Tonight he didn't do that, even though they didn't have information. It was actually somewhat informative non-answer of here's all the information we have. We don't know what it is. It didn't sound like he was evading the question. Did exactly. It? it was it was something where so to his credit tonight it backs up the statement the other night if we're gonna give more information and they gave I mean unless there's something else that they were hiding by giving that the not giving a non-answer, but it seemed like they gave all the information they had and um, he certainly didn't deny that there was contact with the head which is obviously what a lot of us yeah. expected the, the or good, thought, thought that it might be. And, and for further just context on Johns and things like that, just I saw him walking outside the locker room after the game in his suit, and he didn't have any, his no shoulders wrapped or anything like that. He was walking around. I mean, it seems like he's just generally sore all over. Yeah, and he just looked very comfortable. And you just don't know what it, what it could be. So let's um, speculate here because that's kind of fun. This yeah. is our uh, post-game show after party. Yeah. If he's unavailable for the Stars' next game, which is, I guess, fortunately, they have some time off. Yeah, it's the only time off they have with more than one day between games until the middle of December. They'll play, starting Tuesday, 11 games in 19 days with no more than one day between. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a grueling schedule again. Yeah. But, and a lot of, by the way, eight of those 11 games are on the road, and they don't have a single two-game homestand, so that means that of those 11 games, by the way, Sean, it'll be 11 different cities. Yeah. So, including a couple of returns to Dallas. But yeah. the point is, is that let's say he's not available for Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Now you have, assuming Jamie Alexiak back in the lineup, yeah. I have a very hard time believing that the Stars are going to just throw Alexiak and Hawka out together because Alexiak has been struggling. Hawka's young and in, a bit inexperienced at this level, and so you kind of go, well, they can't really to make them. Maybe I mean maybe they put them out as their third pair and give them limited minutes. But there's two things in my head. One is maybe they split up uh, Hemis and Pattern, which has been a pretty good pairing. Although they're, uh, you know Hemis was on the ice for a lot of goals for and against tonight, um, but. He also was on the ice for a lot of minutes, period. Then the other thought is, is who is the next up if you are a Texas Stars defenseman right now? Is it Dylan Hetherington? 
Um, I think the easy answer, I'll answer the first, the second question is the easier right. answer. The, the, the first call up right now for a defenseman. defenseman is Dylan Hetherington. Uh, he's been playing very well down there. He's a guy who's just solid defensively. Um, as, and as Mitch, you think he's earned it? He's, he, he, he's, he's earned it, and he also plays. Um, he plays the game down there. He plays the type of game that Ken Hitchcock wants his defenseman to play. So heavy, heavy. He plays heavy, and even though he's not a guy who puts up, he's not a guy who you call up for his offensive numbers in any way whatsoever. He just seems to somehow pick up points right. for the Texas Stars. Um, when I mean, Julius Honka down there in six games had zero points. At the same time, Dylan Hetherington had, had five points. Right. Hetherington seems to pick up points. And it's not that he's overly generating chances, but he's on the ice for positive. When he's on the ice, positive things are happening. So it's um, a good thing. So that's that's the answer of who gets called up, especially if you're saying, okay, say uh, we, we definitely want to bring a seventh body for this road trip on defense. Right, you're going to um, Vegas and Chicago. Yes. Um, the other, I mean, you think about it, you split up Hamuson pattern, that's one option. The other option you look at is do you look into something where maybe you completely shuffle everything? Including and Lindell and Do you put, do you maybe put Lindell with, do you put maybe Lindell with, uh, with Honka? Okay. Do you put maybe Hamhus with Klingberg and then maybe go, uh, then you put Alexiak with, with Patteron. Yes, I'm, it's just, right. I, no, it's just, it's it, it's just throwing ideas around there because instead of it, where maybe I don't like, I like I Lindell. Think you I want to try to keep at least one pair together. I do, I do, but I'm just thinking it's just an idea. Yeah. If you have to split it up, you try and get players who have play, at least one defenseman who's been playing well lately right. in all three pairings. Because um, Lindell and Klingberg have been playing well lately, and I personally would like to keep them together. But if you're going to. Well, it's an interesting it's issue it's, for the coaches to yes, it's it because it's you're not sure how you figure it out. Because um, personally, I mean, the one the one thing that I don't want is I just don't think Alexia Konka together happens. I just don't think. I mean, it, it could be the easiest is to have your top four pairings together unchanged and then limited, but. There's also an element of risk involved. There's, there's a few players that maybe don't have the most uh, sure-footed confidence at the moment. There's a big element of risk there, especially when it's two players that, uh, if you were to have Alexiak and Hawk together, I would I would bet money, which works well, I guess, with going ahead and going to Vegas, that there would not be a single defensive zone star for that pair, not on an icing ball. Which is, again, being on the yeah, road is harder yeah. for that. So I would, yeah. I just think the matchups, and I just, I would not keep put Alexiak and Anka together, just especially going on the road. Right. I, it's easier to hard hide them if you're at home. But if I was, in a, if I'm Vegas and I, if I'm Vegas in Chicago, and, and now there's not like Vegas rolls out a top line that's, uh, it's not like it's Chicago who's. Uh, it's not like it's Chicago who is going to roll out, going to pull out the, the Taves or the Kane line. But if, if say we go to Chicago, if I see Alexiak and Huck out there, I'm putting that line out against those right. two. So um, it's 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 tough going on the road. Um, you know, look, there's also three non-game days in a row, yeah. so this could all be completely superfluous. Yeah. And Stephen Johns is fine, and and you roll the same thing. If that's the case, Sean, yeah. do you? If, if Johns is okay, do you continue to play him on the left with, with Julius Honka? Um, I give it, 
I don't think he was poor, but they certainly didn't sound. Hitch didn't sound particularly thrilled about having him be on his left. I thought. I thought he. I thought Tatanka had a rough night tonight, um, but I also think. I think if you're if you're if you're going to pull him out for a rough night tonight, then you have then he has no chance of really having a successful season this year. Frankly, I think Hunk is a guy who you need him. I need, you give him, get him he over needs, the hump. He needs that second game back to learn from his mistakes. Right. Like if you're going to go, if he's going to if he's going to you're going to play him. He makes his mistakes, and then you're going to take him out for those mistakes. It's you're just getting into a cyclical process where he's just coming in trying to shake off rust. Doesn't look like a player who's played for a while, and that's the reason you're taking him out. It's just. I'll tell you one thing, it's a good time for the dad trip. Stars need to find some way to get some wins or get on the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe the right time to send the, the mentors with the players because they definitely don't want to have to face their dads after a loss again. Yeah, and... Uh, they always seem to play well with the dad trip. So it might be a good time to... Although they're playing Vegas, who is surprisingly the number one team in the Pacific right now. Well, and I think there is a, uh, there is a real... Uh, I wonder if the dad's trip negates the real home ice advantage of Vegas. Um, Perhaps. As in the, uh, obviously, uh, people go to, uh, they go, people go to Vegas, they spend a little, um, there's other activities available the night before that aren't in other NHL cities. And, you think uh, the dad's trip helps keep the players in check? Um, if anything, I think the players might have to keep the dads in check. Exactly. So the players might have to be slightly more responsible and therefore aren't focusing on the... Uh, Perhaps. This is all uh, massive all hearsay, speculation. massive speculation. But um, it is a good time for the dad's trip. Um, it's always, it's, I, I know the players enjoy that, and uh, it's uh, and hopefully may, maybe that's what works. Maybe that's obviously that can't be the thing that works on the road long term because they're only there for two games. But maybe if they did it last something. year, the stars were having trouble on the road, and they yeah. did it. And you said, well, can we? keep the dads coming back. Yeah. And they didn't. But, you know, the Stars have not been very good on the road the last couple of years, and maybe they need to start thinking about having a more support structure away from home. Or maybe they should just have, uh, I mean, for example, Alexander Radulov's dad has been around the rink all the time in Dallas. I know he doesn't travel with the team, but maybe Star, they should... Start small. Maybe they should uh, just let Mr. Radulov uh, travel more often. Perhaps. Uh, so, Well, either way, it's... Uh, Stars continue to be good at home. Um, they're now nine and two at American Airlines Center, and uh, it's something that uh, if they can just even be average, just average on the road, all of a sudden you've got the combination of a good hockey team. If you can be that good at home and just average on the road, all of a sudden you're in a good in a good spot going forward. And it's the day after Thanksgiving. We talk about Thanksgiving being that, that, that ledge where you want to be, and if they can do that and build over the final 60-something games of the season, you're in a good spot. It would be nice to see if they can get to 500 on the road, although they've got a bit of a mountain to climb to get to that. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone, once again, thank you for listening, and uh, we will uh, return to the uh, CarCast. In what? December. Yes, the, I think the 2nd, I believe. So, everyone, have a good night or morning or whatever time you listen to this.